This is the Mend It Pass podcast with Chadwick Hayward, episode 15. Welcome to MendItPass.com. Let's get back to bedtime. Hi, Pathmenders. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed your holiday. Thanks for tuning in to the 15th episode of the Mend It Pass podcast. Today, I'm joined by Miss Patty Fallow. She shares her story of how she had to reevaluate healthy after she was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was a long road, but she was able to mend her path and find a sustainable, healthy way of life. Hi, thanks so much for joining me, Patty. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. So your plant-based journey started about five years ago. Do you want to talk about where you were before that journey kind of started? Like what your life was like? Did you exercise? What your diet was like? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I, before my plant-based journey, I, uh, I'm a CPA and uh, I was in the consult- I'm still in the consulting business. And so I have a you know, pretty busy job. But you know, as far as like the way I ate and my health, um, my health was, was really good. Like I've never had health problems and I've never had any issues with my weight. Okay. And, um, I met my husband about 16, uh, maybe 17 years ago now. Um, I met him and he's from Shanghai, China. And when I met him, like my diet was okay. I mean, I, I, um, before I met him, I, I felt like it was still I did a lot of my home own cooking, you know, yeah. back then. Um, did, never was really a McDonald's or Taco Bell kind of person. But uh, ever since I was a kid, I had a problem with canker sores uh, growing in my mouth and making it difficult to eat. Okay. And also I had problems with my skin near my fingernails, like sort of coming apart and, okay. and, uh, and bleeding and all that. And so I had these weird problems like that. And when I was a child, my father was a meat cutter and he brought home a lot of red meat every day and um, grew up in an Italian household. And so uh, we always had giant pots of meat, you know, red sauce, uh, pasta sauce for our pasta and all that we were eating. Okay. And my grandmother who we lived with would just put all the meat that my dad brought home. She'd have it simmering in the sauce and it was it was a really tasty way to grow up. But anyway, since I was a kid, I had these problems with canker sores. And the only thing that uh, doctors advised were to not drink orange juice. And okay. maybe the tomato sauce was doing it, you know, or whatever. So they, they assumed it was a, an acidity problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so I had those problems when I met my husband 17 years ago. And he, you know, I told him about it and, and him being Chinese, the Chinese have this tendency to view food as medicine. Okay. And um, his mother was really into that, like you know, food as medicine. They have all kinds of cures like food and all. And so he was like, you know, you need to eat more uh, fresh fruits and vegetables. And so I started, you know, when we were starting to cook together, I was starting to cook with a lot more vegetables and we were starting to make fresh squeezed orange juice instead of out of the Okay. container out of the box. And I noticed that when I was having fresh squeezed grapefruit and orange juice, that the canker sores were no longer a problem. I wasn't getting them anymore. And that was so unusual because this was something I struggled with, you know, a lot throughout my life. And so that, that was important. And then my fingers also cleared up too. And so, you know, we were in our journey, you know, we were trying to figure out the best ways to eat and all of that. And him and I, we even went vegan for a year 
back in my early 30s, so this was probably like maybe 14 years ago or so, we tried veganism. Okay. And what was your experience with it then? There was a friend of mine, and she was an ethical vegan, and she's been that way since the 1970s, and she introduced me to it. And she showed me the movie Diet for New America, and um, so um, my husband and I both decided to go vegan. And what we noticed, and my my ethical vegan friend was a, actually she turns out I look back now and I'm like she was a junk food vegan, so okay. she was eating a lot of bars and she was eating a lot of like those cream cheeses and all this vegan processed food stuff, and so. I, before I was eating, like my husband, like we were just making our own foods fresh, and then we'd add meat and oil to it. Okay. And then I, and then I was, was like, well, I was trying out this vegan thing, but then I was going more to processed foods, and then I kind of like felt like my energy wasn't that great, and my husband noticed it too, like our energy was suffering. Okay. And so eventually we started to bring back in eggs. And, and now I realize when I look back, I'm like, the reason why was because we kind of kept our portion size the same. You were in a calorie deficit. Yeah. So I felt like I was hungry all the time. Um, but now I know, you know, it has to do with, well, when you're eating vegan diet, that's calorie light. And so you need to eat larger volumes, especially the starch and the beans and things. Yeah. So I didn't know that back then. So then um, that's where I kind of went wrong. So usually when I meet people who are really vegan or plant-based, I'm I try to warn them about that so they don't give up, you know. So we ended up bringing the eggs back in and fish and then eventually, okay, organic meats, you know, we'll do organic and free range and all that. Okay. And that's how I kind of went, like all the way up until the cancer diagnosis. We were not huge meat eaters, but we did have meat in our diet and um, every maybe this was happening more towards the breast cancer, but maybe every other Friday I'd go out and buy a whole fish. And we would steam it maybe once every two weeks. We would steam it up and we would eat that like while we're watching movie uh, on a Friday night just to kind of close out the week. And I would have rice and vegetables, but like we, I noticed what we would do. We just eat the whole fish and then we would leave everything else. You know, we wouldn't even eat the rice. And then, you know, I was cooking with oil. I, I bought the, um, organic non-gmo olive oil you know my husband my husband he introduced me to all this organic stuff. i wasn't i didn't really know about organic foods before i met him and so being conscious about my health and everything um i was you know i was interested in organic so we would shop at the farmer's market buy farm fresh food i thought i was doing all the right stuff like for my health and um and that's that's how we're, we're doing it. so I, i'm definitely not like a typical story, you know, where I hear other other folks' journeys where they're, you know, they, they're going a lot from sort of a lot of processed foods and then turn around to the plant-based. Yeah. And for me, it was like I was already like into organic and I really felt like I was doing it right, you know, doing it right. And I had no concerns at all about my health. I, I would consider myself pretty health conscious and they're not actively Looking, just more going from intuition and uh, from my husband's um, information that he had, which he was reading. He's very into Taoism, which is a Chinese philosophy. Yeah. And he was reading some ancient Taoist books, and, and one of them actually says to boil down cow's feet and or like make a broth out of it. And so that was one thing that, that we were eating that, and that was our main source of meat. He would cook this cow's feet. I, I think about it now, I just want to throw up. I mean, it's gross, you know, mm -hmm. but cow's feet broth, 
and I would make soups out so of hooves. it. Cows, cows hooves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I would make soup out of that, and he would. We would put some hamburger meat in there too to flavor it. Okay. So how often were you having that? Probably every couple of days, I would make some kind of soup out of it. Okay. You know. Okay. And even it was like just drinking it plain. Like we, I thought it was something um, health, health promoting, food. Yeah. like yeah, for your bones or something like that. So. I would just have, if I didn't make a soup out of it, I would just have a small glass of it or whatever. And so that was probably our main source of animal protein that we were getting. Okay. And, but we would put hamburger meat in it. So there was muscle meat, but we, after it was done cooking, then we would take all the feet and the hamburger meat out of it and throw that in the trash and just drink the liquid. Okay. Yeah. So that's, and it was, we were doing unusual things that, you know, people weren't normally doing, I guess. And so you were doing that for about 12 years then? Uh, the, the cow's feet thing, I'd say probably for a couple of years. I'd say okay. that we're doing that like for a couple of years um, before their breast cancer diagnosis. And so, you know, thinking eating all this organic food, you know, I'm, and I'm not feeling too terrible or anything, you know, I'm pretty good, good health. I was, you know, working at a busy client and I was like, all right, we're having, we had this big deadline. And, um, I was actually had a doctor's appointment in January that, that year of 2012. But then I realized I'm at this client that's really busy. So let me just put it off until after our deadline. And then I, I put the appointment off until, until the end of March. And then I went into the doctor's appointment and, um, had the checkup. And this was for me, I was kind of thinking of it as, you know, I want to get a good baseline. I'm at 40, you know, just turned 41. I want to get the baseline and see, you know, so something where I can compare myself as I get older. Yeah. And, um, and so I went to see a nurse practitioner and she, she, you know, did the typical like female type exam. And then she, she asked me if, um, you know, I wanted to, she asked me to go get a mammogram and I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I had no, you know, no reservations about getting that. You know, I wasn't sure I was going to do it every year, but I'm like, well, just one isn't going to kill me. So I'll I'll get it done. You know, but later I found out that she wrote in the file that she felt some density, you know, on my left breast. Oh, okay. Um, But she didn't mention anything to me. But anyway, so then I went for the mammogram. Like, I just, she goes, you go downstairs and get it done now if you want. I was like, all right. So did that. And then a couple of days later, I'm at work and, um, and then I, you know, I get a letter. I, don't, I forgot if I got the letter or the call first, but uh, I got a call at work and they said they wanted to, they wanted me to come in and get another scan okay. of the, um, you know, and I was like, well, well, do you see a problem and where's the problem at? And, uh, they were like, yeah, we, we see something on the, on the left side, like the upper left side. And I was like, all right. So we made the appointment and then I, you know, I went to the restroom at work and I felt there and I was like, oh yeah, I do. I feel, I feel a lump there. It was obvious, you know, I wasn't really feeling for them before. Okay. That was my first indication, but you know, I was like, I've had lumps actually a few years before I noticed a breast lump and I went in for it and that turned out to be nothing. You know, I didn't even get a mammogram for it. She was, the nurse practitioner just asked me if I drank coffee and I said, yeah. And she goes, well, just cut back on the coffee okay. for, you know, and see if it goes away. And if it doesn't come on back and I was like, okay. And, and it did, I, I, I stopped drinking the coffee and the lump went away and, um, and it was on the other side. So I know it wasn't, it wasn't the same thing that I, that I had a few years later, but, uh, so I went in and I got the additional scan and at that time, the technician in there 
in the office, she said, she said to me, well, you know, you see these little white things, these are calcifications and that's why we called you back. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know what that was. I don't have any experience. And then she sent me to another technician that did an ultrasound and and I noticed, you know, you look up at the screen and you see she's zeroing in on this black mark. Now I know, <laughs> my, you know, people are going to get an ultrasound or, you know, anything. I'm like, yeah, just, just on the mammogram, it's the white thing you got to look for. And on the ultrasound, it's the black thing, apparently. Okay. So she's zeroing in on this black thing and she's measuring it and all that. And then the doctor came in and she, uh, she wanted to biopsy it. I was like, all right. So we agreed that I would come back in about two hours to get the biopsy done. Okay. So waste no time. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of, okay, come on back. If you can make it today, you know, come on over. So then when I went back, they, there were like all these papers, like I had to sign and I went back by myself, like, well, uh, you know, I went home, I had just enough, I, I went home, got something to eat, and then I saw my husband, he has an acupuncture clinic, and so I stopped in, and I told him about it, he was like, what? Oh, no, you know, because, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know, they want to do a biopsy, I'll just go and, I'll just let them do it, I guess, it doesn't seem like it's going to hurt me that bad, you know? Okay. And so, but he didn't come with me, because... It seemed you had a pretty cool and calm composure towards it yeah it was yeah i didn't think i mean i really didn't think it was cancer you know but but then i went home to research it and then that's when i i looked up the word i remember she said calcifications and then and that's the body trying to encapsulate the cancer right right and so i looked at it i googled it and then i found oh that's the first indication that i had that oh my god this could be cancer you know i didn't even think about it before i never thought i was at risk for this kind of thing. And I, w- I was like, yeah, I don't know. And then I went in and, and then I had to sign all those papers. And one of them said that she was going to put this clip on it, like this metal clip on my tumor or the, the, the thing. And, okay. and then I, I said, no, I don't want that. I'm not going to sign this piece of paper. And then it was, the doctor came in and, you know, I told the technician, no, I don't want it. And then she brought the doctor in and then the doctor and I were kind of arguing about that, you know, because for me, it's like I never had anything foreign in my body and I was really naturalist and all that. And so I was like, no, I don't want that. And, and then finally, like she just she's looking up at my black thing on the screen and she's like, you know, this this is cancer, she said to me. And that was that was that was how I found out, you know, okay. I was like kind of doing that. And I was by, by myself, you know, in the biopsy room, like, you know, with these two people, I don't know. And um, then I find out I have cancer. That was just a real shock. And that's obviously hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was very shocking. I mean, it just, it, it brought me back to, you know, my mom was not much older than me when she found out she had cancer. Okay. And, um, and so, and she had a very terrible time. I wouldn't wish what my mom went through, like on my worst enemy. It was horrible, you know, and she passed away five months after her diagnosis. Oh, wow. And, um, it was laryngeal cancer. It was in her neck. Um, and she, you know, it came as a shock to her that she had it and they rushed her through all kinds of horrific procedures and, um, her body just couldn't take it. It was too much. Oh dear. So anyway, but she, she passed away. It was from the, is that not from the cancer, but it was from the treatments. Oh dear. So, so obviously it was very hard that struck home for you. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, now I'm like, this is exactly what my mom went through. And this is, this is what she must've felt. And, you know, so yeah, really, you know, really put the fear of God in me, you know, like, 
and then just shock, you know, because I was like, I can't believe it. I'm eating all this, everything right. And all the, you know, I have all these people like around me that are eating so much worse than me. And here I am, I'm just 41. And now I, now I'm dealing with this cancer, you know, you know, is it, is it really just this random, you know, just can happen like to anyone. And I was like, that just can't be it just can't be right. You know, you can't just get this horrible disease, like for no reason. And so I just like refused to believe that. So I started to really look around like for answers and for something I can do to solve this problem. But you know, cancer is just such a question mark, you know, nobody's been able to figure out a cure for it. But I don't know, I'm not an expert. So and I, I didn't spend any time in my life looking into this. So um, I ended up, my husband bought me like a lot of books, like maybe 14 or 15 books and a lot of movies. He just started ordering them on Amazon. And, um, and then I just started one by one watching the different documentaries and reading all these different books and all these books are random. I mean, they're not, they weren't, I mean, I wish I started with here's forks over knives <laughs> and here's the China study in whole, but that's not how it worked for me. You okay. know, I didn't know any of those. I, I just was, my husband got me all these crazy books that of people that cure, that cure their cancer with all these different crazy uh, remedies and, and things like that. And, and they were like conflicting with one another. And I was like, I just don't know which one to believe. Yeah. You were grasping at straws. Yeah. And, and, and then I was doing some internet research and I was like, you know, the, the day I was diagnosed, I was like, I, I, I know I always had an idea about need is not good, you know, subconsciously. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, I, well, I, and I, I was already familiar with a macrobiotic diet because we have a macrobiotic restaurant here in town and I would eat there every once in a while. Okay. And I would learn stories about people who cured their cancer with a macrobiotic diet, you know, which is basically like a a plant-based diet, but has a couple other restrictions in there. Okay. So I gave up the meat right away and then I started to get on the internet and read the books and, and then there were all kinds of, you know, you would think I would, I would get to an answer if I did enough research, but the research that I did was, was hindering, you know, my efforts. Okay. So did they biopsy? It? Did you agree to the biopsy after? Oh yeah, sorry. I uh, I um, I did it. Yeah, I did the biopsy, and it was the weirdest thing because um, my husband has this Chinese medicine that it was expired, so he wasn't able to sell it to his patients anymore. So, okay. but it was really good stuff. Uh, it's sort of like a ginseng, but it's not ginseng. It's something else. Okay. Um, and we we're like, well, it's good for us, so we'll just take it. So I was taking that every day. But it turns out it thins your blood, you know. And so I get the biopsy done, and I'm bleeding all over the gown. Like, and the doctor's like, "What is wrong with you?" And, I, and then I realized it was probably that that Chinese. I think it's that Chinese medicine I was taking. Okay. So I'm bleeding everywhere. It was nightmare. A doctor told me I had cancer. But anyway, she sent the biopsy off, and I think it was like the next day or the day after she called me at work and confirmed that yeah it, it was cancer and she was able to tell that it's it's like a grade two it's an intermediate grade okay. so she's like it's not the best one i ever saw but it's not the worst one i ever saw it's like right in the middle i'm like all right so that's about what she could tell me and then she just sent she said uh, i need to go see a surgeon to get it removed and you know and just kind of take it from there okay so and so that's you started your research immediately after that. Yeah, 
Yeah, even like it was freaking me out so much that um, that I had cancer, and um, also they send you in for some other tests, and I I had this one MRI scan that showed that I possibly may have cancer in the other breast. Okay. And then that really freaked me out. So I was like, Oh my God, do I just have, do I have cancer all over my body? Or I don't, you know, this is so I was extremely upset, panicking. You know, my company, they, uh, you know, I finished the deadline of my client, and my company was really nice. And they, um, I, even though I had a couple more months' work there to do, they asked me if I wanted to just take some time for myself. And yeah. And I said, yes, I, I, uh, I would like to have this time for myself so I can do the research for my most immediate decisions and my, you know, long term for, for everything. I, I, it's like I, I feel like my whole life was burned down to the ground and I need to start from the bottom up right now. Okay. So I took that time off and that's when I was just sitting in my backyard and I was reading books and researching on the Internet and trying to find out what should I do as far as this with the cancer that I have right now and. And then how am I going to eat and, you know, any other kind of product in my house that I need to get out? Is the air I breathe safe? You know, just it was everything. You know, I was like anything that can make this cancer spread. You know, I don't want it. You know, I don't want that in my life. And so how long were you doing this research phase? Probably for a good month, because this one test I had to go for before they clear you off for surgery is you have to get a breast MRI. So I went in for that. And that's where it showed the, the possible something unusual in the other breast and they need to look into that further before they can clear me for the surgery. Okay. And um, the mammogram didn't find it, only an MRI did. So I had to get a special kind of biopsy that's MRI guided biopsy. Okay. And so you need a special doctor and you need special equipment for that. And I can't just go in the next day, but you, you you had to find the facility. And so it took a whole month to get that appointment scheduled. So I'm sitting here with cancer in my body and not knowing what to do for a month. So that's when I just started doing all my research. And so I read a lot of books that were, they were blind alleys and dead ends and all that kind of stuff. You know, and then I'd get on the internet and I was like, I knew the meat was not a good thing to eat, Yeah. you know, but I didn't know about anything else. And so I got on Google search and started searching. And that's when I started finding that Oh wow, there's like other like foods that I need to be aware of too, like um, fruit, you know. Okay. Fruit apparently causes cancer, and so does rice, and so does potatoes and tomatoes, and um, you know, because potatoes and tomatoes are nightshades, and fruit has sugar in it, and rice is a grain. And there's all these things, and tofu, you know, I'm going to cut the soy out because soy makes breast cancer grow. I mean, I'm sure you must have heard of all that stuff before, right? Oh, yeah. But it, it was all like... And so essentially everything is bad for you. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, so cross that one off the list. Okay, is there anything that's safe for me to eat, you know? And um, so, and then at that time, I was also attempting the Gerson therapy. Like, And even when I was still working, I was getting up early and I was juicing my husband bought me this juicer and I was juicing like all these carrots and I a big old kale garden in my front yard and I was juicing up my whole garden and I had like 13 jars of juice and I would just take them to work and I, and I had beets in it so it was really hard to drink. I mean it was 
room. So I was probably doing it wrong, you know. I love juiced beef. Really? I oh do. my god, it was so hard for me. It was. I maybe I, I didn't have anything sweet in it. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was you need to put apples or something rough. in it. To yeah. Tame it yeah. down a bit. Because <laughs> it took me the whole. It, it took me the whole hour to drink the juice, and I was like, oh my god, the hour's up, and now I got to have my next one. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, but, uh, so I was trying that for during that month, you know, while I was trying to figure out what was safe to eat. And I just, I literally like became afraid to eat anything. Um, like, and even I was eating when I was eating things that I saw were bad for you, like even grapefruits apparently are linked with breast cancer and some okay. sources, you know? So like, so was, I was just afraid to eat a lot of things. And when I was eating them, I was like, am I growing my tumor or what? Yeah. You know, and you know, there's a lot of studies, a lot of individual studies out there I was reading about, you know, hemp seeds and maybe goji berries are good. And so, like, one day I would be out like, buying this kind of superfood, and the next day I would be going out buying some other superfood okay. and then throwing away some food that's bad for you. I was like, there wasn't any kind of holistic perspective on all of it. It's very much piecemeal, yeah. You know, and that's what I was missing. I didn't even know to look for that. Um, so then I was like, I got to do something because I'm losing a lot of weight, and I... No, I'm not heavy set. You know, I can't really afford to lose a lot of weight. Yeah. And I, I was, I mean, I was getting, you know, and then, you know, during that time I had the surgery and all of that and that removed the, the tumor and they took a lymph node out and then they recommended I uh, go through radiation uh, treatments since I had a lumpectomy. And yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about that. So they, they didn't recommend the chemotherapy. I was lucky. I was very lucky that the cancer was not found in the lymph node and okay. that it's a high estrogen positive cancer, okay. which means that it's responsive to a hormonal therapy and, and, and it's responsive enough that they don't recommend the chemo uh, right off the bat. You okay. know, they, they, they put you on hormonal therapy for 10 years and then I uh, found out later they, they want to take your ovaries out too. And so, um, I was able to dodge the chemotherapy bullet. Like it's not a decision I had to make, which was a massive relief. Um, yeah. but they said that they recommended the radiation therapy and that was a, you know, that was a very difficult decision that I needed to make about that, you know, because there's a lot of risks to having radiation therapy to the left side of your chest. Absolutely. And so, um, so that put, that was another extremely stressful decision to make. I, I really didn't want to do the radiation therapy. And if I had known what I know now, uh, like I would not have had that treatment. It was like, there's no benefit in your survival by getting radiation. There's only, yeah, a benefit for the a local recurrence, but at breast cancer in the breast is not deadly, you know? Yeah. So anyway, I, I was kind of pushed into the, the one of the surgeons I consulted with said that she, she wouldn't operate on me if I refused the radiation. Oh, wow. You know, who's made, whose body is it anyway? You know, but I don't know. I, I, I got scared into it and I didn't have sufficient information. So I went through with the radiation treatments. Okay. And how long did that last? You go in for every Monday through Friday uh, for a whole month. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I went in, you know, I had that done after the surgery and during that time, I'm still losing weight and 
trying to figure out how to eat. And, you know, my, my biggest struggle was trying to f- figure out how to eat. So I heard I wanted to go see a professional in this manner. And so there is a nutritionist in town who um, is very popular among, you know, a lot of the breast cancer people here. Okay. Um, and so I went to him and he recommended the same diet that I ate before I had the breast cancer. I mean, it was like lean meats and organic foods and all that. I was like, but, you know, I was doing that already yeah you know so and i I got cancer so this isn't you know that's i I don't want to just be doing the same thing you know so so i I didn't really he and he prescribed me supplements and i was i i I just had this intuition now supplements i i just don't believe your body is deficient in supplements you know and so left that and then i went to somebody else someone recommended and he did some kind of muscle test on me and he um he said I was too weak, I guess because I looked really thin then. And he said I was too weak to do it myself. So it's like you're, I forget what you're, he, he's pushing your arm down. You're supposed to be pushing against his arm. Okay. And um, so he said I was too weak to do that test. So he had his assistant touch my back while she did it for me. Okay. And based on that result, he prescribed $100 worth of supplements for me. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and then he also told me, don't, don't be one of those vegans. <laughs> um, because when I told him I, I was, you know, I was, I was vegan. And you know, no, don't be one of those vegans. And, and, he, and this, you know, this guy, I mean, he's kind of overweight. And I don't know, I was, I was like, I ran out of there. You know, he gave me his prescription for the supplements, which his office sold all of them so of i had to buy it from his office right yeah and um so i was like no this isn't i just didn't feel right to me and then i was like i know what i'm gonna do neither of those people have the name dietitian so see with them they're nutritionists and dietitian you have to meet certain regulations and restrictions and it's more formal so maybe i can get more from a dietitian and i learned that there's a dietitian at our oncology office okay. that i was seeing the oncologist at and so I signed up for an appointment with her, and um, you know, I, she 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 got a look at me and she weighed me, and I'm I'm five three and a half, and she weighed me, and I'm like ninety nine or hundred pounds, which is really low yeah. for me. I I hadn't been that low of a weight. Probably I don't know. I don't, maybe I was a kid when I was that weight. I don't know. But she asked me to text her my weight every week because she was worried I was going to keep going down, and then she encouraged me to just get back drinking milk and to start eating meat because she says I'm not getting enough protein to heal from not eating meat and milk, you know, the lack of milk is not giving me dairy. And she was worried about my bone density as a result. Okay. So, so that's, that's what I got out of that. And that just, it just, none of this felt right to me. It just didn't. And so I was at a complete loss for what to do. I'm like, I'm just out on a limb here. You know, my husband thinks I'm crazy, you know, for being really extreme, uh, you know, and I, you know, and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I, you know, kind of be worried. I'd look at my arms and I'd be like, maybe my bones are disintegrating right now. I, I don't know. And then, um, but I stuck to it. I mean, I didn't go back to meat or dairy or anything. So what was your diet? Like you were, you were, you said you were juicing. Was that mostly what you were doing at that point then? I, I was eating like some boiled vegetables and I was eating a lot of oatmeal because I didn't read anything bad about oatmeal. And okay. I saw Gerson therapy patients were allowed oats 
Okay. And actually, I was I was eating raw oatmeal. Yeah, that, and uh, I was still doing juicing and and things like that too. And so you were losing weight because you were calorie deficient. Yeah, okay. exactly. Okay. Yeah, because I, I was just worrying. And fortunately, I, I ended up on this mailing list for Livestrong. For what? Sorry. Have you heard of Livestrong organization? Oh, Livestrong. Yes. Yeah. And they are headquartered here in Austin, and they have you know an office here, and they, they have seminars every now and then. And they had this seminar on nutrition for cancer. And this, this is probably a good eight or nine months after my surgery or diagnosis. And uh, they had a seminar on nutrition for cancer. So I was like, all right, well, it's free. You know, it's for cancer patients or their family to come and learn. And so I went and I listened to it. I sat up front. I had my pen and paper. And the lady who uh, was giving the seminar is a, was a dietitian, and she worked in a cancer hospital, uh, like a big cancer hospital. And her presentation was telling you to eat more plant foods. And, and she even recommended in her presentation to limit the oil to one tablespoon per day, okay. you know. And, uh, you know, and I was like, I never heard of the limiting oil before. You know, that was new to me. She was just talking about getting lots of fruits and vegetables in. And then she was talking about some of the dangers of meat, like the cancer risks that meat cause. And I was like, okay, this is, this is kind of more in my, my direction. I think I can learn something from this lady. So I talked to her a little bit afterward and I set up like two appointments with her afterward for a consultation. And then she's the one who told me about the China study. Okay. Um, and that's what got me reading, you know, that book. And then, and then she told me that soy is fine. You know, soy is actually protective against breast cancer. And I was like, Oh, thank God, because my husband is Asian. And, you know, I was just, and we were, you know, we were eating, you know, soy is kind of a regular part of our diet. Yeah. And, um, and so it was just a huge relief. It was like, man, finally, you know, she's a dietitian. And so, um, I read the China study and that's just when, you know, all the light bulbs went off for me. It was, it was like a holistic view on everything. And it was everything that totally frustrated me, um, about the things I was finding since I had the cancer were one by one, just taken away, um, all those frustrating things and all the worries I had. Okay. So did it have an immediate impact on your diet? Yeah. I w I, then I started to um, eat soy again, and, I, and then I was eating rice and not being afraid of it. Potatoes, I felt like, okay, they're not dangerous either. And then I just started to relax, you know, a little bit more after I read that book. And then, okay. and then I read his other book, Whole, right after that, uh, when I learned he had another book. And that really... Oh man, I, I'm like, this is everything that was like, you know, finding this random study that said to go and buy some goji berries and the study said to drink this or, you know, and that I would get really confused by conflicting information. Like everything was resolved when now I understood exactly what was going on once I read whole. Okay. You know, it says that's what these companies are doing, you know, they want you to buy their products. And that's why they do these studies. So it so I just felt a tremendous amount of relief. And then I signed up for his classes at the, uh, the eCornell course. And I took that and it was just like, man, all this great information was just coming into my head. And I, it was like a major reset for me. It was like everything. Now I have all this information and knowledge and I felt really empowered. But then through that course, I learned about Dr. McDougall, 
And then it wasn't until I read the starch solution um, after I finished that course, and, you know, in the spring of the next year, which is probably like one year after my diagnosis, that I realized, oh, okay, I need to eat more. You know, I need to eat more food and I need to eat starch, you know, until I'm until my stomach is full okay and then at that time it felt like more sustainable like before i was like yeah i'm going to survive this cancer even if it kills me (laughs) i was kind of like that before i'm like i'm suffering and this really sucks but this is if this is what it takes to survive then i'll do it and even if i'm miserable and i and i and the food is bland and and i don't feel like i have enough energy um if this is what it takes i'll do it because i don't want to die the way my mom did yeah and um, so that's what I thought it was like going to be a sacrifice. So, but it wasn't until I read the starch solution, I was like, oh, I can relax and enjoy my food. You know, I, I just eat bigger portions. And then I started to learn about really good recipes and things. Okay. Starting to make things taste delicious. And uh, and then from there, it was just all up. And then I just felt like, the, you know, I, I made some really delicious foods and dishes. And then I just felt really inspired. And that, not only that, but my energy was, was awesome. And, um, you know, I, I, I like to exercise. So, and, and I felt, more energy, you know, for my exercises than I ever had before either. And so it, it, it was all just from that, that uh, these things, I'm so thankful that, uh, you know, that all that information is, is out there for us. You know, you just and have to sort through and find it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, that, and that's the hard part is there's so much information and conflicting information that finding the truth through that, it can be quite challenging because you yeah. have so many competing interests trying to tell you what what is right. And like confusion is definitely a tool that's used by industries that are selling you processed food or or right. dairy, the dairy industry. Like, well, you see recently with the fiasco with uh, calling nut milks not being uh, allowed to call milk or right. Right. So, <laughs> right. There's, yes. Their, their tool is to to make you have doubt. Exactly, and that's why you know I always had that feeling before, even before the cancer that you know the world of nutrition is so conflicted and and controversial, and everybody seems to have their own take on it. And I guess you just gotta throw the towel in, your hands up in the air, or whatever. That well, I guess there really isn't any answer, and you just go with your your gut or whatever. Well, and that's... And, but then I was, yeah, and I was like real laid back about it before. I was like, yeah, that's just the way it is. But then suddenly I got this cancer diagnosis and my life is on the line and I have to figure out what the right thing is for me so yeah. I can survive. Well, it made it real for you. Yeah, like right. really yeah. real. I was like, I really got to figure this out. You know, I don't want to do anything that, that is going to kill me within the next, you know, five or 10 years or whatever. Yeah. Initially, I wasn't taking the drug. They recommend you take the hormonal therapy okay. after the radiation. And then I told the oncologist I wasn't taking it, and then she gave me a big lecture about that, that I should take it. And so I was like, all right, well, maybe maybe I called two of my aunts that had experiences with breast cancer. And um, I said, did you have any side effects from the drug? And they, neither of them said they had side effects. So I was like, all right, maybe I'm one of those people who has no side effects. So okay. I took it, and then I ended up with a lot of side effects. I mean, I couldn't think straight. And um, I ended up uh, with a uterine polyp that was bleeding constantly, you okay. know. And, um, and so, and, uh, you know, they, they did some tests, and they found that I have a giant cyst on my ovary and then I have this 
thing in my uterus, like, holy crap, you know. And also the drug that I'm taking can cause uterine cancer. Oh, wow. You know, that's a side effect of the breast cancer drug, <laughs> okay? And so they're like, well, we better find out what this thing is in your uterus because if it's cancer, we can just take your uterus out and you don't have to deal with it anymore, but you don't want to just leave cancer in your uterus. So then I had to get another surgery to get that thing out that was bleeding. And it's not going to have anything bleeding constantly in your body either. Obviously, but yeah. I was thinking the, <laughs> the drug was irritating. You know, maybe I had something there and it was irritating it and causing it to bleed all the time. So okay. I had that surgery. It turns out it was benign. Thank goodness. And then they checked the thing on my ovary thing, just that, that disappeared. So, and then it was right after the uterine polyp surgery that I decided I don't want to take this drug anymore. Okay. It, 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 I was supposed to take it for 10 years and I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. And so what, what time frame was that? That was, I, I assume before the McDougal change? Yeah, it was because, um, the McDougal change happened a year after my diagnosis. And okay. that was within, that was like kind of like in August of 2012 is when I started taking it. Okay. That drug. And, um, then it was, I was on it for about maybe four months or so before I decided I don't want this, you know, I don't want this. You know, so um, got off that drug and everything, you know, I, my, I got my mind back because that was sort of making me lose my mind a little bit. Like I couldn't think straight and uh, people were talking to me and it, kind of, it was kind of going right over my head. And I, I'm not normally like that. So I decided to get off that and um, and just do this completely with diet. And then and then ever since then, like I did have some follow up appointments for it was they do it every three months after your surgery, and then if, that, if you're looking good, then they increase it to six months, um, mammogram every six months, uh, blood tests and all that. And they, they do look at your liver enzymes and things like that to see breast cancer might be in your liver. Okay. But, my, you know, everything has always been pretty good there. Well, they got it before it metastasized, right? Right. Okay. And, um, and so then it was like a year out and had the mammogram. And then it was after starting to read Dr. McDougall's books, he has some very, like, you know, any of your listeners are dealing with breast cancer and or have family members and want to know about nutrition of breast cancer, Dr. McDougall is the guy to look at because he is so passionate and he, he spent 40 years um, and he has a certain passion and, and interest in breast cancer. And so he's done a lot of writing and he's done a lot of research. He has like four excellent webinars on breast cancer. Yeah. If you go to his website and his webinars, they are excellent. And he mostly focuses on breast cancers. Is probably that's I think that that's probably the most common of all the cancers that he that he's dealing with. Probably. Yeah, I think he started doing nutrition research on breast cancer back in '84, so it's been a yeah. long time. Yeah, exactly. And so he just has so much information. And so once I uh, started reading his stuff, and his recommendations are for breast cancer you know, don't do the mammograms and don't go looking around for it. And he's got great reasons for it. He goes into all the details why he doesn't recommend mammograms. And if you find out you have breast cancer, he recommends as minimal a surgery as possible. Yeah. Just get clean margins, take the tumor out, get clean margins. Don't take your whole breast off, you know, don't take the muscles underneath or anything. Yeah. Um, and then uh, no radiation. He says, no, don't get the radiation since it's not going to extend your life. And he says, don't do the chemotherapy either. 
you know? So his, his recommendations are controversial because that's not what's accepted or whatever. Yeah. It goes against the current standard of care. Yeah, exactly. But, um, his recommendations are based on solid evidence. So I, yeah, it's, he's just, it's really great to have his information. He has a book called The McDougal Program for Women, where he goes into it. And he has another book called A Challenging Second Opinion. And he has a whole chapter on breast cancer in there. And each of those books, and even though they were written in the 1980s, I went, met him last summer and uh, he signed the books for me. Uh, and I asked him, like, you know, do you think anything has changed since then? I mean, is this information still current? Because it's a lot of good information, but, you know, people might say, well, it's really outdated. It's dated, yeah. And, um, but he says, yeah, he said probably 99% of that, he wouldn't change 99% of the book. Yeah, uh, he has a fantastic program. Yes, it's excellent. I, God, I wish I knew about it. I could have taken that money I spent on the radiation. I could have taken that and gone to his, I would have loved to have gone to his 10-day program. Yeah. You know, but... Uh, and then I, I wrote him, in, uh, like I was thinking about, you know, he, I know I read that he didn't recommend mammograms. That's due to the radiation, right? It's due to, no, it's due to the possibility of overdiagnosis. Oh, okay. And, um, and just, you know, kind of, uh, if, if you end up diagnosed with cancer, well, then you're just pulled into the whole cancer, um, can, you know, the whole world of cancer. And it's, it's a business. It's a money-making business. Yeah. Well, and just getting diagnosed would increase your stress levels, right? Which exactly. is inherently bad for you to begin with. So yes, and it's, it, it, it turns you into a patient. It takes a healthy person and turns them into a patient. Yeah. And a lot of times, cancers will come and go in your body, and before it's detectable by touch, you can grow a cancer and then it'll go away. Yeah. And so you may they'll end up finding a cancer that you might not have known about otherwise. And yeah. so they, you know, it's when they did all those statistical analyses that found regions that have mammograms as part of their standard of care will end up with more breast cancer diagnoses and more treatments than regions that don't have mammograms as their standard of care. Uh, but both regions have the same number of deaths from breast cancer. That's the important part. Yeah. You know, it's just like when you read that, it's like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. The quality of life years are the same. Exactly. Yeah. And so I wrote him and I just wanted to clarify. I was like, you know, I heard he answers emails. So I was like, all right, I know you don't recommend the mammograms, but I'm like, that's probably like your recommendation is for people that haven't had cancer, I'm assuming. So what do you recommend for people who've actually had cancer? Do you recommend that they get the screening mammograms as part of their standard of care or whatever. And, and um, he wrote me back right away and he says, no, I don't recommend for his patients that have had breast cancer. He doesn't recommend they do any kind of scans or anything. So I was like, Oh, right. And I was like, you know, blood tests and he doesn't recommend it. No, don't go looking for it. You know? So I was like, wow. yes, this is great because you know, my gynecologist was saying to me, we're going to be good friends now, you know? <laughs> And I was like, no, I don't want to be your friend. You know, I don't, you know, I, I, want, I just to want to go back to my again. life. Don't take this yeah. the wrong way, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'll see you in, the, in this grocery store or something, but uh, I don't want to see you in this office. And so it was because it was like the surgeon wants to see me every year. The oncologist wants to see me every year and the gynecologist wants to see me every year. And then the oncologist said, well, space your appointments out so you're seeing a doctor every three or four months. Oh, wow. 
And I was like, I did that for the first year, maybe, or almost two years after the cancer. And, and then you're constantly thinking, oh, I got to go to the doctor and get checked for cancer again. Cancer, cancer, cancer. And it's in my mind constantly. Yeah. Like I'm either making an appointment or I'm paying a bill or I'm going to an office and seeing a doctor being checked for cancer. And it's like, it, so I felt, you know, I talk about it like a cloud. It's like you got this cancer cloud over your head. You're just a clog in the machine. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't like that. And so I was like, and so then after, after reading McDougal's books and Gilbert Welch's book called Overdiagnosed, I was like, man, there's a way out of this, you know? And after reading all the books, I'm like, I just can eat a plant-based diet. I can eat like the populations who don't get breast cancer, yeah. okay, and eat like the blue zone populations who they don't probably don't even have the word for breast cancer in their terminology. And I don't even have, even though I've had cancer, I don't need to be looking for it because it's it's not proven that finding it super early is going to make me live any longer anyway. Yeah. So then I just kind of disconnected myself from the whole getting checkups and all of that. And really, it's just limited to like self-examination. And I don't even do that either, because he, he doesn't even recommend doing self-exams. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the tumor is small, you know, where you can't feel it or you can barely feel it, versus when it's big enough to feel when you're in the shower, like just kind of, you just happen to notice it, then... There is a difference between those two. There's no difference in prognosis. Okay. Because what he teaches is, is that by the time the cancer is big enough to detect on a mammogram, which is the size of a pinhead, yep. by the time it gets that big, it's already spread. If it's the kind of cancer that's, you know, going to metastasize and kill you, it will have spread by that time. Okay. It's already in your blood. It's going to be in other places. It's just not big enough in the other places to be detected yet. Yeah, because that pinhead is a billion cells, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so then now the way I'm living my life, I'm like, I know I have cancer in my body, but it, the way he says it is, is I'd rather you die of your cancer when you're 105 rather than 55. Yeah. So you just eat, eat in a way to slow the growth. Yeah. Dr. Greger touches on that a bit as well, where he said that cancer, prostate cancer, which is a similar cancer to breast cancer. Yeah. If you look at men, I think at Japanese men, um, they have the same rates of prostate cancer, but the Japanese men die with their cancer not from mm, their cancer. That's interesting. Right? So they still have it. It just it mm. doesn't get to the point where it actually kills them. They, right. they just die with it. And, and that's really what you're looking for. And so the same thing would be with breast cancer if, if you have it, because everyone has cancer somewhere in the body right now. Right. Just most right. of the time your body kills that cancer, right? So it's, right. it's a matter of staying staying ahead of it by feeding your body fuel that allows it to break down cancer and not feed cancer. Right, right. And that's like even hearing Ruth Heydrich's story. I listened to your to your interview of her, which I thought was excellent. Her story is amazing. Oh, it is amazing. And she talks about how she still has an encapsulated cancer in her lung. And it's probably encapsulated and hasn't moved in, around because of the way she's eating. Absolutely. You know, she's just proving that, you know, the diet, she's eating a, a health-promoting uh, diet, not a cancer-promoting diet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. It's it's um, it's a huge relief. I feel like 
you know, all the trouble I went through in the beginning, you know, of trying to figure all this stuff out is all worth it now, you know? Yeah. Um, cause if I didn't waste my time reading 15 books that, that brought me down blind alleys, you know, I wouldn't have ended up landing on the right information. But now I'm like, I got this great information. Like if you have cancer, you don't need to, you don't need to freak out or, you know, there's something you can do to, you know, be empowered, you know, yeah. not not be a victim. And so that's what I always try to tell people that dealing with cancer, you know, who want to know this information. I'm like, yeah, I got some I got some really great information to share. Well, and I think that's kind of a common story where people get a diagnosis and they everyone wants to find the answer. And the trouble is, is most people actually don't because there is so much poor information or people have a tendency to rely on experts. And the most of the experts you approached initially gave you bad advice, gave you advice to eat a diet that causes cancer that has been clinically shown to cause cancer. So I can understand the helplessness people would face or feel. Yeah. When, when they look and they're not finding something that's going to help them. And right. so many people give up their search before they come across Forks Over Knives or the China Study or McDougal or Esselstein or someone that is providing information that would help them cure what ills them. Yeah. Yeah. This It's, it's amazing. It's like I'm glad that I got the cancer diagnosis at the time I did. It was in 2012. And I think that was not too much long after Forks Over Knives actually, you know, was available on Netflix. And all this information seemed to be coming out all around that time. All the, you know, so it was just like the perfect, it was the perfect timing um, for me to go through such a thing, for me to get this information. And now I look back and I'm like, in a weird way, I'm thankful it happened to me. Yeah. You know, because it gave me information that's going to help me um, thrive as I get older and go through my older years in my life. Well, in, yeah, in a weird way, it led you down a healthier, a more healthful path. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say it's good that you got cancer, but right. like it could have been worse, right? Like if it was uh, something more internal, like like a lung cancer, maybe you don't notice that until it's a much more difficult situation. Yeah. And that's also what I try to convey with people, because one thing that Dr. McDougal told me when I met him last summer was, you know, he goes, uh, what do you say? Like two out of four of your friends or three out of four of your friends have cancer and they don't even know it. They don't even know it, you know, and and they'll find out later, but they don't know it right now. And, that's why, you know, and if you look at the statistics, it, what is it, like two out of three people are going to end up with cancer? And so it's end up with a cancer diagnosis. And so it's like I'm trying to get the information out to people that, you know, just eat a health-promoting diet now. Don't wait until you're diagnosed with a terrible disease. Yeah. You know, you don't want it to get it that far before you make a change. I mean, just eat now as if you are dealing with a cancer diagnosis. Because you probably have it, <laughs> you know, statistically, you probably have cancer in your body, even though you feel good. And and a lot of people, and people don't realize this, but, you know, when you're diagnosed with cancer, you're, usually you're feeling pretty good. You're, yeah. you're healthy and you're normal. I mean, you're not like sick and, and all of that. And that's, it's why it's a 
comes as such a shock, you know, when people are diagnosed with it, is that um, you can be completely symptom free, and then next next day you end up, you know, with a diagnosis that can kill you. Yeah. So to me, I just oh, I just wish I could, you know, help people adopt a plant based diet or just eat more plants to avoid, you know, getting a terrible diagnosis down the road. Yeah. And so, what does your diet consist of now, mainly? Like, what would a typical day look like? Well, I start off my day with brown rice and uh, probably like two cups of brown rice and a giant bowl of vegetables. It's a huge, I eat a huge bowl of food for breakfast <laughs> in the morning. It's like, and I put either curry powder or turmeric powder and black pepper in my vegetables. Okay. And I mix the rice in there and I put a little hot sauce on it. And then for lunch, it's usually some kind of bean soup with uh, sweet potatoes or potatoes and like a gigantic salad. Then for dinner, it's usually either quinoa and vegetables or um, maybe I'll be brown rice pasta and vegetables. But it's usually something a little lighter for dinner. I try to front load front load my meals, okay. like do the really heavier ones uh, for breakfast and lunch. And then I come home and I either maybe eat a little leftover lunch or, you know, quinoa or something like that. Something like that, sweet potatoes. Some lighter you know. fare, yeah. Yeah, it's all very easy. I mean, I just do my batch cooking on Sunday, and it's it's this way of eating is great. And if you just you spend a couple hours on Sunday just making a big pot of soup, and now I got this great food processor, and I'm, <laughs> I'm using that to chop up my because I eat a lot of vegetables, and I spend a lot of time chopping. Yeah. Uh, so this thing is saving me a lot of time now. But I like to I like. I could just buy fruits and vegetables too, but I like to buy them fresh and, you know, chop it myself. Yeah, but it's it's great. Fresh is usually best, unless you live in a northern yeah, climate exactly. like me where, where fresh isn't necessarily fresh in the winter months. Right, right that's true. <laughs> I do, I, after I chop them up, I, I put them in freezer bags and I freeze them because, I, you know, you don't want to leave them chopped up in the refrigerator yeah. too long. Oh, that's awesome. So someone's listening here for one of the first times. What advice would you give to a new path mender that's thinking about changing their diet or their lifestyle? I would say just do what you can to get motivated uh, to eat a plant-based diet. Uh, I would definitely recommend watching the movie Forks Over Knives. And also there's a movie out, I think it's going to be putting it on Netflix or selling the CDs or the DVDs. Uh, it's called Eating You Alive, and um, we saw the pre-screening here. We've, we've got a – I run a um, plant-based group here in Austin, and we had the pre-screening film, and that film is amazing. Awesome. It's all these people like who are, did the plant-based diet, and they turned their whole lives around it and you know cured their diseases and everything. So it's very inspiring movie, that and Forks Over Knives. So I'd say watch those movies and read The Starch Solution and The China Study and Whole and um, just get educated on the power of the plant-based diet and just try to uh, incorporate more plants into your life and don't wait for, a, you know, don't wait for a, a disease or a diagnosis uh, to happen before making your changes. Because it could happen, you know, it, it can just happen out of the blue like it did with me. And now I thought I was healthy. Or, you know, I mean, even scarier is, is heart heart disease. I mean, you had a couple of famous people have heart attacks in this past week or two. And yeah. um, sadly, it happens maybe one out of three or two out of three people 
their first symptom that they even have a problem is is death. A fatal heart attack. Yeah, I, th- I think it's closer to 50%, but still, like, 50%. flip a coin. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's just, it's like playing Russian roulette. Yeah. And so I would say just, just try to... Um, Try to transition over to a a plant-based diet as quickly as you can. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. It's been great talking to you. Oh, it's been great talking to you too. Thanks for this opportunity to get the word out. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. Thank you so much for listening to the Mend It Paths podcast at www.menditpaths.com. If you haven't already done so, please like our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash mend it pass. See you all next time. Visit mend it pass.com and get back to bed now.